Hello, I'm Alex McDougald, and this is INSEAD in Conversation With, an INSEAD Executive Education podcast series in which our guests share their stories, thoughts, and insights with us. Today, I'm joined by Professor Samir Hasidja, who is Dean of Executive Education at INSEAD. He is also a Professor of Technology and Operations Management, as well as the Shell Fellow in Business and the Environment. Professor Hasidja is passionate about business model innovation, technology, business transformation, and disruption. Professor Hasidja, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks a lot, Alex, and uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here to to talk to you and, and to the audience. So 2020 and 2021 have been disruptive years for all of us, both on a professional and also personal level. I wanted to spend some time with you to get your take on where you believe the executive education industry is heading, the opportunities and challenges that you see lying ahead of us, and the hopes that you have for the future. And with this in mind, I wanted to start with a very broad question. You are passionate about the role of emerging technologies in business. Where does this passion stem from and how has it informed your research in your career to date and the work that you're doing as professor at INSEAD and now Dean of Executive Education. You know, without getting into too much detail, I, I did my undergrad in um, in a school in India called the Indian Institute of Technology. So I was always fascinated by technology based on based on my training, my, my education background. However, I went to grad school uh, and like every lousy engineer, I ended up uh, grad school uh, going to business school, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, but that's I mean jokes apart. Uh, I realized uh, that that you know the the biggest the, the the biggest impact that I can have um, when it comes to something that I like, which is technology, but then really try to understand how technology can affect our lives and and society in general is through the lens of business. I mean that's where I see the the real impact of technology, right? When when technology gets uh, gets used in a day-to-day basis to provide services to to individuals, and it, it's business, in my view, that predominantly enables that. So, so I ended up in business school um, because of that reason, and and did my graduate studies in a field uh, which is known as operations management, which is to me the perfect uh, kind of uh, meeting point of disciplines such as engineering technology and and business i mean operations is about you know understanding processes and and how resources such as technologies when combined with processes can create value whether it's value for society whether it's value for individuals or whether it's value for a business right and that's what i ended up studying and and that became a part of my my kind of professional identity and and since i've been an academic primarily have been looking at, uh, again, the intersection of these things, the intersection of technology, the intersection of business models and processes, and the and, and, and how they end up creating value for society, for individuals, as well as businesses. So that's kind of the little bit of a background of how I kind of got into this, this, this field and, and, and how I moved from the technology world into kind of the business world because I genuinely feel that the combination is where the aha is. 
So technology, as you quite as you mentioned just now, does bring immense value to executive education. I agree there. How do you think it's going to help change the game for executive education on and our industry in general? What have you seen so far, and wh- wh- how do you see it progressing in the future? One way to think about technology, which is the easiest way and perhaps the first order way, is that technology can make things easier. But if you simply use them to improve the current processes because they either became, due to technology, faster or perhaps cheaper or perhaps more accurate. But I believe you're just scratching the surface, right? Like there's a lot more than technology can do. The game-changing element is when technology allows you to do things that were previously not possible to do, either because certain combinations were simply not feasible in absence of technology, or perhaps it would require a lot of resources and a lot of complexity to to manage them, right? So, so small example before I move into education, Michelin tires. I love this example. I give this everywhere. <laughs> IoT is a technology. You know, Internet of Things allows allows uh, things to kind of be connected to an internet to to basically collect real time information from devices. You know, from you know, you can have your refrigerator talk to your phone. So when you're at the shopping mall, you know, your refrigerator can tell you that you're running out of milk and and, and your phone can tell the re- refrigerator that you're close to a shopping mall. So you can go buy, buy milk, right? Or perhaps the refrigerator can just automatically uh, order milk from, from Amazon Prime or something like that. So that's IoT. Now, Michelin tires put these IoT-enabled chips sensors in their tires. How does that help? Well, that technology now allows Michelin to experiment with business models where they don't have to sell the tires, but instead they sell kilometers or miles, which is changing a, a business from a product, which is an ownership-based business, to a service, which is a consumption-based business, which is very, very different. It's a, it's a completely different business model. It sounds trivial, but actually it's not trivial. It's a, it's a complete paradigm shift in the way, in the way uh, that you approach, engage your customers in the way you engage them in the sales process and the value that you give to your customers. And ultimately, where the risk and you know the CapEx and the OpEx sits in the system. So, so that's what I really mean by game-changing. Now, if I come out of the business world and get into the specific world that we are in, which is executive education, you see, what technology can do is allow us to engage with our, uh, with our participants, in a way that perhaps we previously could not. Now, the first order way is that uh, it, it totally takes care of geographical uh, boundaries, right? Like I, I can reach to to an audience using technology that otherwise in absence would be very, very difficult or perhaps very, very costly, especially during COVID. I mean, not only would it be costly, it would be impossible due to all the travel restrictions or perhaps extremely unsafe for us to interact with each other in the traditional classroom sense of the way. So what technology did was it made sure that despite all the constraints that we are facing in the world, we were able to continue the learning journeys of individuals, right? And and that didn't come to a pause. It, of course, changed and shifted in the way we deliver the learnings, but it didn't pause it. But what it can do a lot more than simply increase the access or the the global outreach and, and break the geographical boundaries is put the learner back in the center of education. We had products, we have courses, we had you know degrees and specializations, which we would then say, well, you know, 
you can take any one of these from us and 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 then we would have a selection criteria and then you know if i have a class of 50 students that would sign up for a course those 50 students get the exact same course but perhaps those 50 people learn differently perhaps the way they learn the 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 kind of things that that interest them even though they've signed up for a, for the same degree may be very very different and to some extent we weren't able to to cater to that or at least to the degree that perhaps we should be catering to so what technology may allow us in the future and and we're already seeing and experimenting with that is to put the learner in the center of the value proposition understand what they want to learn how they want to learn at what pace they want to learn and then leverage technology in in order to cater to those individual preferences without making our systems and without making our costs too complicated uh, and that's where i think the game changing kind of word comes in yes i think it's about human centered innovation correct in other words the technology is simply a tool and what really matters is um putting your customer at the center of everything that you do and the innovations that you introduce absolutely alex and you know what we've observed is that technology in itself becomes the end where organizations businesses you know entrepreneurs they end up chasing technology without really understanding what are we trying to achieve with it and how is this helping us create value and 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 that that kind of strategic debate or discussion doesn't happen now don't get me wrong i also believe in experimentation so sometimes you just play with technology to try and figure out what it can do and 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 maybe that will spark an idea and that's fine but then you need to have clarity in your mind that you are just playing right now and you're experimenting and you don't know where you're going with this and hopefully you'll figure it out with time and and with more information as you play with it but to say that technology is my end goal is where i think the 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 problem starts starts taking place so so i think having that clarity of what are we trying to achieve what is the way we are going to create value and how are we going to leverage technology to create that value the aim should still be to try and get clarity of how you're going to create value in the end so we've spoken so far about customers and the importance of customer centricity but looking perhaps more close to home how important is it for organizations even ourselves at insiat to look at our own um people our own staff when it comes to technology adoption um how how important is it for them to become change agents and enablers alex if we don't do that then that that could be another cause of failure right so just having the right strategy and having the right vision and the value proposition in mind to me it's important but it's not going to be sufficient to take us across the 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 line that we want to cross right people are always going to be really really crucial and both in terms of becoming change agents for accepting the technology adopting it and learning from it and perhaps helping further innovate and refine because you know it you would have to be very lucky if you if you understand the value proposition of what you're trying to do with the with technology and how you're trying to reinvent yourself uh at day zero right you're going to have to learn as you go and and make changes so the the point i'm trying to make is people are very very important in fact they are at the core of all of this right at the end of the day this is about how we as humans as individuals use technology to create value right not the other way around so how do we think about it internally we think about it as something that we we need to constantly make sure that uh, that 
are conversations around what are we doing with this? What's the value proposition? Where are we going with technology? How are we going to try and implement what we are trying to implement? These are conversations that we constantly have with, with our entire uh, team and, and the entire organization. Now, in particular uh, to INSEAD, we are quite blessed because INSEAD is a little bit of an entrepreneurial school. It was set up with a very entrepreneurial spirit. And that entrepreneurial spirit is in our DNA, which which then creates a, an environment and a culture where where people are often willing to to try new things. We are quite nimble. Uh, we we move relatively fast in terms of adoption and experimentation. Learn from our mistakes and quickly kind of adapt our way. And that history that we've had has been a huge kind of uh, benefit to the way we uh, run this organization. And certainly, as the world is changing, and now technology seems to be at the center of the way the world is changing. We are trying to leverage it to the extent possible, both within executive education, but broadly speaking, even within the school, right? So, so we're certainly we're certainly kind of trying to move with the times, and hopefully even ahead of the times. But you know, that's not that's easier said than done. But we're certainly moving our people along with our our strategy and along with our kind of uh, changing value proposition. Now, coming back to organizations in general. The point that you're making becomes so important that I want to emphasize that this is where continuously investing in your people, in your talent, and in making sure that your talent is ready and relevant for tomorrow also becomes very important. And and that's that's where it's quite interesting for us because INSEAD, we're not we are not only in the need of making sure that our talent is moving with the time and 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 ready for the future. We are actually in the business of helping our partner organizations with their talent needs to make sure that their executives and their leaders are ready to understand what it would be uh, that they need to do in order to be relevant for the future. And so what we kind of do with our partners is precisely what we also need to focus on with, with our own teams and with our own organization. And that to me is a, is a very fascinating position to be in. What I find interesting particularly is ultimately, it's not about business as usual, of course, but the same principles apply. You just have to, you know, you have to focus on your people. You have to be agile. You have to, you know, and this is what we've been teaching organizations for, for many years now. And the temptation is to completely reinvent yourself as a result of this crisis. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals remain the same nurture your people, um, grow your people, make sure they have the skills in place to take your organization forward, no matter the, the, the circumstance or the, the environment you're, you're currently living in. You know, some, a friend of mine the other day was asking me, he said, you know, with all these disruptions going on in this world and the nature of business changing, is what you folks at business school talk about going to be relevant in the future? And I said, you know what, if anything, I'm going to double down on what business schools are talking about because of precisely what you said, Alex, that when the world is uncertain and when we are dealing with a lot of ambiguity, that is when the importance of thinking analytically, thinking with rigorous frameworks and kind of rigorous logic, business logic, and then understanding how how the world may change or how something like technology may change that logic or how may I leverage that logic to create a new business uh, proposition, a new value proposition. That That is where the aha sits. And having a, a solid platform, a, a fundamental understanding of what it means to, to develop your people, what it means to think strategically, what it means to think analytically, 
what it means to make sure that I'm taking care of of emotional issues uh, in the organization so that my people are able to perform at their peak. When you you need to put all these pieces together, and hence you need to have that solid, rigorous training and and coaching that 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 can come to you from business schools, especially research oriented business schools who who invest a lot of time in making sure that what we what we study and what we teach is is very strongly validated in fundamentals and not just the the trend of the day. Absolutely. And I also read somewhere that you, you'd spoken in the past of, um, I think this relates to what you were just saying, but also to the people that we were, uh, people theme that we were talking about a bit earlier, about kaleidoscope thinking um, in an organization. What did you mean by by that? Does that touch upon the, the fundamentals and the rigor that, that should be present uh, in business school teaching and, and in organizations? You know, when 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 you're going to solve complex problems in the future, as as a leader, as a as a business leader, or you know, as a leader in the society, or as an as an individual member of the society, you you have to you have to realize that the only way to face these really tough issues and problems is by having multiple viewpoints to be able to look at a problem from from multiple perspectives to be able to think about you know how does different stakeholders in the society get impacted by what we are trying to do or what problem we are trying to solve? To me, it's extremely important to not only have those multiple views, but also have a collaborative call for action where diverse groups kind of come together. And when I say diverse, it's diversity in all its shapes and forms, right? In terms of the backgrounds, in terms of the thought process, in terms of everything, right? So, and kaleidoscope, thinking for me is to essentially bring diversity and multiple perspectives together to really solve complex and 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 hard problems which are important for for this world right and business schools to me are 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 a very rich ground where we can become this neutral safe spaces to have these tough conversations where businesses policymakers and you know members of the society in general can sit together debate together and and as as academics that that kind of belong to a, a multidisciplinary field right because business as by definition is a very multidisciplinary field we can facilitate those debates and and hopefully try and make improvements in solving these very complex uh, social problems uh, and not just social i mean complex business problems because everything going forward is is like i said earlier it's going to be complex because of all the uncertainties we face Absolutely. And a couple of points from that, actually, that have come to mind, which will be interesting to explore a little bit about the value proposition of, of business schools. Do you feel that the uh, COVID and all the debate around what's going to happen next, how are we going to get out of this? What does business, the future of business look like? Do you find that it perhaps has changed our value proposition, accentuated our value proposition or brought it more to the fore? Than, than, than before? Do you feel that organizations, because of all this debate, we are more relevant than ever to facilitate this debate? I, I completely uh, think so, uh, Alex. I'm, I mean, you, you could say that, Samir, you're being a bit biased because <laughs> you're, you're, you're a business school professor and the dean of executive education. So how could you not agree with that? But, you know, and fair enough, and, and that's a fair comment to give. But at the end of the day, uh, typical to an academic i still have to say something that i genuinely believe in right so and and i believe that that our our position of of a school like insiat which comes from very strong research 
based pedagogy and also has very deep uh, associations with the industry which keeps the relevance extremely high so the the balance that we create between research and relevance makes us extremely important and more important than ever before why like i said the world is perhaps never going to be the same and anybody who expects the the world to be the same i, I think may not have i think maybe missing something right to be to be fair i also think the concept of new normal is perhaps very optimistic i'm not too sure if there ever will be a new normal i think normal to some extent has a tone of stability and steady state built built into it i think it will be a new volatile world right so so mm-hmm. or or if somebody really wants to use the word new normal i would say well the new normal is going to be extremely volatile and extremely uncertain going forward this is always the case the trend towards increasing volatility and uncertainty was always there what covid did was it accelerated it and made it more salient and obvious okay given this i think like i was saying earlier given this research based education which is relevant to the realities of our world becomes important because that is what trains you to be able to handle some level of uncertainty handling uncertainty requires extremely strong but analytically developed intuition let me let me be extremely simple and say imagine a, an extreme world where there is absolutely no uncertainty where everything is perfectly predictable in that particular world you will not need management you would not need managers systems would just work everything would just work the reason you need management is because the world is not so perfectly predictable there's lots of things that happen which are uncertain you know and and not just environmentally and not just from an economic perspective but also from a human perspective right human human behavior is very complex and very complicated so you, you need management because the world is uncertain difficult to predict and 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 hence you need to you need to have an intuition to be able to make decisions but you can't rely on intuition which has not been trained which has not been uh you know which hasn't gone to the gym you 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 can't put an athlete on the on the field without without proper training before before the game right and so as the game becomes more and more uncertain the the importance of training becomes more and more salient so i would say business school education especially from schools like insead or research based institutes where research is to the center and the core of our of our offering but so is our our relevance and connection with the industry and the field and and institutes that maintain the balance of these two are definitely going to play a pivotal role in in kind of becoming the and i like to use this word the intellectual sparring partners of of organizations and executives going forward that's i like that i like that and it it rings very true to my experience of 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 working at insiad and i speak to participants on our many programs how obviously they come here very much for the education and the research and 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 but it's equally it's it feels like a forum for them they 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 they're also um sharing their own experiences amongst themselves and relating stories and they learn uh, as we are facilitators of a debate we provide the information we provide the analytical research the rigor etc the closeness to the business world and it also feels that when people come here to study 
they are also benefiting from just the diversity in their classroom and learning as much from those people as as, as they are from us really so it comes back to the sparring partner idea i think for business we we provide the seed and 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 the 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 thought and and then they take it from from there we help them evolve it into something more concrete absolutely and you know see i mean at the end of the day learning is 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 not a one time thing it's it's a lifelong journey it's 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 individual it's personal but it's also community based as you mentioned we become partners in their journey and not just partners for a limited small period of time even though they may be interacting with us on campus for a week that does not mean the interaction ends there right the interaction can go on in in many shapes and forms way and above uh, what a classroom interaction is right and and that's the beauty of beauty of uh, of being in the place that we are the learning that happens is it's to date mostly of course there are exceptions and including with ourselves the majority of the learning that happens at business schools is face to face to have that interaction and to to learn from each other but the sense that i get is and and i've from your interviews and also interviews with um Ilian Mihoff our dean is that we're moving towards um and this is talking about business models again um a hybrid uh, model so you have on the one hand um what he called uh Ilian called vertical and horizontal learning uh, vertical obviously being faculty and horizontal amongst the students um do do you find that that perhaps is the business model of the future we are going from a model where predominantly face to face but there's there's also value to be to offer both types of learning a hybrid where we can facilitate debate across uh, no matter which channel it may be absolutely and 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 we must like i said if we have to put the learner at the center and this goes back to where we started this conversation if we if we put the learner back in the center of uh, of the value proposition where the real focus is on the learner then we have to appreciate the fact that people learn differently which means that learning will come in many ways shapes and forms for individuals community based learning individual learning learning from the faculty learning from peers learning using uh, you know a, a reading material learning by doing quizzes and assignments and learning by by watching videos and then thinking about it and perhaps applying that learning through projects in your work so on and so forth so all of these are elements or what you would call as you know you know br- bricks of learning and and different individuals will use different elements of learning to a different degree and and the way we are going to evolve if we have to bring the learner at the center is to 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 basically facilitate them to be able to leverage the these different elements in combinations that are more kind of aligned with their learning uh, styles with their learning preferences and and that to me is where the the real aha is and like i said it's not like we've not known this we've known this for for a very long time it's just that we, nobody was ever able to do this properly and we've done this in in at to different degrees but it's very difficult to do it in in all its capability because it's very costly it's very it's very complex and that's where again going back to where we started technology can really help us it can help us provide these different elements to our learners so that they can use them based on their uh, preferences and then carve out their own learning journeys uh, which is why just saying that learning is about content and a particular course is 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 a very narrow view of learning it's it's a lot more than that it's about 
how you learn, what you learn, of course, and and at what pace you learn. So so that's that's where I think I think I completely agree with what you're saying. And we at NCR are certainly trying to think about how we can make sure that we move towards this direction. Now, you know, offering this to the learner is not an overnight uh, process change. This is going to take a little bit of time and effort, but this is certainly the direction in which we are going. And I would even argue the direction in which the entire world of higher education will go. I really liked what you said about um, it's not just about the the learning. For me, I've always thought of us as clearly a learning institution. We provide that learning to people, inspiration. But it's about an experience that includes the learning, of course, in the classroom, but it includes all the interactions you have amongst your peers. But just the fact of being in a learning environment is is an experience in itself, and and and, and that's what people say they enjoy as much the learning as they do the experience of, and it's in, it's inspirational. Looking to the future, then. And we may have touched upon some of these uh, already during our conversation, but how do you see the future of executive education and learning? In terms of the future, I think it is about time to focus in on the learner a lot more than we have in the past. Don't get me wrong. At INSEAD, we've, we've done, in my opinion, you've done a pretty good job of always taking the perspective of the learner and trying to figure out how to carve out uh, a learning journey for for them as much as possible, but of course the level at which we can individualize has been limited. Uh, so what will happen is that you know we we may be able to unbundle education a lot more going forward to allow much higher degree of personalization. So in the future, expect things to be a hybrid of many many factors, a hybrid of face to face, a hybrid of live virtual, which is anybody sitting anywhere, but still having a live interaction with somebody. Some online asynchronous material, which is you can learn at any point in time on demand. And a combination of these factors, which from a learning perspective are a combination of both tools as well as approaches, right? And like I said, this would be community-based learning where you have live interactions and it will be individual personal learning where you have more kind of asynchronous uh, interactions. So this, I think, would be would be extremely important. The second thing that I feel that, that would become kind of uh, the future of education, especially in executive education, would be to try and understand how exactly should a, a learning journey be crafted for an individual to map their their history to map their education in the past their work experience in the past to the future their aspiration of where they want to go in terms of their professional life and their careers and the learning journeys would not just be some kind of canned or restricted pathways but perhaps it would be a evolution and kind of a guided uh, unique path that each individual or group of individuals can have which will do the mapping between the past and the future and and really kind of contextualize what kind of learning is appropriate for individuals this may then result in you know things like uh, certifications which are more specialized you know nano degrees or whatever it is that you want to call them the, the world has all these fancy titles right now but i think many of these things will become realistic and important to the extent where you know you ha- you have to ask yourself this question that you know, forget forget business schools or executive education in, in particular, but let's just go into any general educational environment, higher education environment. 
will somebody get a, a bachelor's uh, in science as a degree that they sign up to? Or should they just pick up these nano degrees? And, and if they pick up five nano degrees, then that's considered as a bachelor's, right? Like in our world. And if they pick up 10 nano degrees, then that's equal to a master's. And, you know, you can put some quality controls in there. But, you know, the question that I'm posing here is that the, that because of this element of personalization and the fact that technology may allow us to personalize things to the extent that we can carve out our own journeys, which map our past to our future aspirations, education can be massively unbundled. And to some extent, it is fairly bundled today, right? To And again, like I said, it has been unbundled slowly over time, but but that perhaps will be extenuated and, and taken to the next degree where people can really create their own little uh, little pathway. So I, I really see that as as a as a viable, feasible and and kind of next step for for higher education. The second thing that I think will become very important is breaking of the silos. So to a large extent, and, and this is not completely true, but to a large extent, higher education institutes kind of offer education by themselves, right? So you go to a university, right? So you and a university will offer education and you can say, well, they're not siloed because they have different departments within the university and, and students can float between one department and the other. So that's why I said to an extent. But what I think going forward would be that there'd be even further kind of breaking down of silos where it wouldn't just be departments within uh, a university or, you know, at, at a business school like NCIAD, we have different areas it wouldn't just be that providing education to to the learner, but it would be an entire ecosystem where the ecosystem may involve, you know, ed tech companies. It may involve universities. It may involve coaches. It may involve, you know, uh, uh, psychologists. It may involve, you know, uh, people like high performance coaches. It may involve industry mentors or, or you know, people who've retired after many many years of experience and now want to give back to the society by by providing mentorship to to young uh, young and budding uh, uh, business executives, and this kind of ecosystem that 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 will that will need to be created if we genuinely want to bring the learner in the center of the value proposition, right? Because in absence of this ecosystem, one player or one system like a business school or an ed tech or a mentor or a coach, we all can provide some part of the value, but the real value to the learner is where where all these different players and these elements come together and really enhance the learning of an individual in a seamless uh, uh, connected manner so that uh, that is where i really see the evolution now you could say this sounds a little far fetched and 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 may not happen you know i mean who knows this is you know i don't have a crystal ball uh, but i do believe that this is a direction that kind of makes sense and which is why i say this may be the future it comes back to what we were saying before putting your people at the center, whether you're a customer or an organization, to make this change happen successfully. And I don't think it's about um, uh, reinventing the wheel. I mean, our fun the fundamentals remain the same. We we are there as an organization to help um, a, an intellectual sparring partner for in for business, as you mentioned previously. It's just how we go about it is going to evolve. You're now obviously Dean of, of Executive Education here. What excites you about the future of Executive Education? I think it's all the elements we talked about, Alex, but to put them in one word is mm -hmm. uh, Executive Education is more important than ever before. 
and technology is allowing us to change the way we do executive education. So you combine those two things together and that's a super exciting world to be in, right? So the fact that you're more important than ever before and the fact that you can actually create a, a game-changing offering value proposition to your partners, to your clients, to your learners is a super exciting time in this world to be uh, to be a part of executive education. Last question. The past year has been a devastating for a lot of industries in general, and it continues to be so. Um, if there are any positives to be taken from this past or these past 12 months in terms of our industry or an industry, what do you think they are? What do you think we can look forward to in all of this and, and going forward? I mean, it's it's been a horrible year and, you know, a horrible year in the sense that from a humanitarian perspective, I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Nonetheless, uh, what I, I, if I look at uh, what, what has happened to us as a society, fighting and coming out of COVID slowly, one step at a time, we're still not out of it, uh, is the, the, the promise, the resilience, the optimism that it has generated. Uh, that's exciting. And that's good to see that that we are resilient, that we fight back. I mean, look at the speed with which the vaccines came out. I mean, it's it's quite it's quite remarkable and 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 quite and, and a lot of effort went behind this. So so I really appreciate that. And what I see from from our perspective is the 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 excitement with which people want to go back and and try and use this as a way to ask some very fundamental existential questions that you know should we relook at our business should we try and reinvent the way we do business what have we been missing why are we doing something is it because it makes sense or is it because that's the way we've done it in the past are there ways that we can do our business better are there completely new things that we can do so a lot of executives business leaders are asking them a lot of asking themselves a lot of interesting existential questions this is something that excites us a lot because we then can become their intellectual sparring partners even more than in the past to help them navigate these questions that they are asking and so what this year has done is it has made people ask these questions introspect and then hopefully created an excitement to try and answer these questions and and that is what we are excited about to to partner with organizations to partner with business leaders to partner with executives to to discover answers to these questions together uh, and and then hopefully uh, you know create create the next next version of 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 an organization or or even the society well thank you sumir Sadly, we have come to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for spending the time with me today and to share your thoughts and your insights. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. Absolutely my pleasure. And I hope the audience enjoys a lot. 